Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Good to see you, church, wherever you find yourself. My name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And it's so good, so good to have you. You know, we're trying out something different right now. This message is actually um, not only online for our online campus and those of you that are tuning in from wherever you're tuning in from, but this message is also going to Elmira. And we're going to be trying this out actually in all of our different locations, even in Waterloo. From time to time, we're going to have uh, an online message that goes out as, as an attempt to unify our church um, surrounding common messages and that sort of thing. And as we start a new series called The Good Life, um, we thought that it would be a great opportunity to make sure that this, the start of that series, which is a three-week series, actually the same message got out to everybody. And so um, I'm really encouraged that you'd be tuning in right now, whether you are in Elmira or you're tuning in from a living room or maybe a bedroom or who knows where you're listening or watching this. Um, it's just so good to have you. And again, I think one of the really phenomenal things that technology provides us in this season is not only that unifying aspect that we just talked about, but also that God's spirit and this unifying message actually arrives and shows up in places, for those of you that are watching online, in places that are common to us, whether it is our, our homes or somebody else's house or that sort of thing. Because for years, pastors have struggled with like, how do we make sure that the spirit of what's happening on Sundays actually reaches out to the places that need it most? And one of the most phenomenal aspects of, of this recent time that we spent so much time online and what we get to harness now is that these messages are now arriving and God's spirit is alive in people's living rooms like never before and that sort of thing. And so my encouragement to you, whether you're watching in Elmira, watching uh, online and that sort of thing, take this message with you. I, I, I know that it is so tempting to just be encouraged by what God speaks to us, forgetting that God encourages us so that we can encourage others. He blesses us so that we can bless others. And I hope today is a blessing to you. And I'm going to pray before we get into the first week of the good life. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for uh, what you're doing in our church. Um, God, you are good. And uh, as we talk about the good life, we can't actually have the good life without you um, and without you being a good father to us. So God, I pray right now that we would, uh, out of what we understand and who we understand you to be and the glory that, that we give you today and, and your glory that we get to experience, that God, we would go and show this world a good life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week was an incredible week for our church. Uh, we had spent over 500 days online, and uh, I'm really encouraged to report to you that across all of our locations and online, uh, it, was, it was basically a record week for us as a church, which is really cool. Um, we had the, specifically in Waterloo, we had the largest morning uh, services that we have had. Um, and that was really encouraging because we didn't know what to expect coming back from uh, the pandemic. We didn't know how many people would come back. And the encouraging thing was, is that those of you tuning in online, uh, there wasn't like a significant drop, which means new people are joining in online, as well as those of you that call the online community, 
Um, God's really using this space to further what he wants to do through Slate Church. Remember, he's using um, many different churches to accomplish his will in the places where local churches find themselves. But one way he is accomplishing his will is through our church as well. And so I'm really encouraged for those of you that are tuning in online and for Elmira, what a week last week was coming out of the pandemic. So many great families showing back up. We absolutely love you guys. And uh, I'm excited to get out there. I think I'm speaking there next week in person, which the way that we're breaking down our speaking schedule, it's a little bit different right now. But I think I'm there next week, and I'm really excited to spend some time with you. But the general report from our relaunch Sunday, and remember, we weren't just relaunching in-person services as if that was the only aspect of our church that matters, but we're relaunching things like locals, because today is local Sunday. And so we are, uh, we're relaunching that and uh, we're relaunching a whole bunch. Basically what we're doing is we're relaunching the fact that we are reestablishing and recommitting to be in this fight, uh, uh, this good fight, the the, the fight that is, is, I mean, it's not really against people in our world today, but the good fight that goes out and reaches this world that we live in with the message and the call of Jesus Christ and the Great Commission being lived out by us to go make disciples of all the world. And so we can you know, look back on this past week and just see that God's been doing a lot of really incredible things. And I just want to thank each and every one of you, those of you that have showed up online, those of you that are giving to our church, because that's vitally important. We can't actually do what we do right now without giving. Um, it's, it's actually phenomenal, the amount of people that came out last Sunday I'd have these conversations. And at least four times for myself, and I know for other team, I asked, how did you hear about Slate Church? And, and many times, these four times I'm talking about, people saying, oh, we've been tuning in for like the last year, year and a half online. Um, we had never come to Slate before, but it's really good to be in person. And it's because of your giving that actually enables that. So we want to thank you for your continual generosity. Even in a, a season where we were all online, it was growing the kingdom. And that was exemplified by our previous Sunday. And so... I don't want to take too much time to belabor this point, but I'm really thankful for you guys and really thankful for this new season that we're stepping to into as a church. Well, it's interesting because we've used many different um, venues in Waterloo Region for what God was doing. Uh, this past Sunday in Waterloo specifically, we met at Landmark Theatres. And as we met there, and it was a great setup and the team did such a good job for those of you that are in other locations or online, um, it should be encouraging to you what God is also doing uh, in the Waterloo region, just like what's happening where you find yourself is encouraging to those. I'm always sh- sharing those stories with those in Waterloo. And I was reflecting on some of the venues that we had used and, and popped into my mind this memory of one of the venues we had used, which is the Inn of Waterloo. I remember uh, the first time I ever came into contact with the Inn of Waterloo. It wasn't when we were hosting services there. It was actually years prior, when I was 17 years old. And at 17 years old, I... Uh, I found the Inn of Waterloo because I was dating Emma at the time. And I lived two hours away from Emma in a place called Coburg, Ontario, um, which is where we have a new Locals Plus launching. And a Locals Plus is essentially a local that has been earmarked by us as leaders or maybe they've identified themselves that they would love to see their, lo- their local become a location, okay? And so there's a couple of these starting up in Ontario. And um, one of those locals is actually starting in my hometown of Coburg. One of those local pluses is starting in my hometown of Coburg, um, being started by my parents. And we're really excited to see this locals plus grow into a location over the next little while now. And so that's where I grew up. But Emma lived in Waterloo, which was a two hour drive away. 
And, uh, and so I remember after youth one day, because I was 17 years old, that I wanted to go visit Emma the next day. But I thought, why wake up early tomorrow when I have so much energy after youth group? Why don't I just drive there right now? Now, of course, I mean, I'm 17. I'm not just going to invite myself to stay at uh, her parents' place um, and stay in you know, a guest room and whatever else. So I thought, I'll drive up. And uh, because I don't have any money, I'll just sleep in my car. So I make this two-hour drive. It's about 11 o'clock at night when I leave. I drive all the way um, until about 1 or 1.30 after picking up some food. And I arrive in Waterloo, and I'm like, now what do I do? Like, where in the world can I stay in my car? So I actually drove to the Inn of Waterloo, and I slept in my car. This is the first time that I ever heard of the Inn of Waterloo. It's the first time I was on their property. I decided to pull my dad's Corolla into the Inn of Waterloo, and I slept there underneath the light because I was like worried that somebody might break into the car or something like that. And I slept under one of the parking lot lights, having the worst sleep of my life because I was sleeping in the back. I had the vehicle on because it's the middle of winter and I was scared of freezing to death in the, in, in the car. And I just remember waking up being like, why did I make that decision? Like what got into me to make this decision to stay at the Inner Waterloo? And then I thought, this is disgusting. Like now I'm like, I'm, I slept in the clothes. Like I, I don't know, I was 17 years old. Keep in mind, I was 17 years old. I hadn't thought any of this through. All I wanted to do is spend some time with my new girlfriend, okay? And so I was like, what am I gonna do? Like I stink, I brought some extra clothes and I brought a little what, but like what am I gonna do? So I ended up driving to the Good Life in Waterloo and when I was at the Good Life in Waterloo, I uh, uh, basically, I didn't go in to work out. I was like, uh, you know, how much is it to use the gym today and that sort of thing. They gave me the price, I paid whatever else. Um, and I wasn't there to work out. I was there to use their showers, brush my teeth, to be able to go and present myself in a presentable way to my future in-laws and my new girlfriend and uh, spend some time with them that day. So Good Life has this interesting place in my life and when, when this idea of the Good Life series came, um, it's hard to get out of your mind this, this big business that has gyms all over the place called Good Life. And I want to be clear, that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking just about, about just being our best selves. Because here's the thing, is that there are enough self-help books, there are enough financial gurus, there is enough um, uh, 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 Instagram experts to be able to tell us what the 10 steps we need to take in order to live our best lives and be our best selves. You see, when we look into scriptures, what we see is that what Jesus explains as the good life is radically different than just making sure that we spend half an hour at a gym all throughout the week. What he sets up as the good life is something that is not just compelling to those that want to be their best selves or uh, you know, have the best bodies that they can have or look the best, or seem to be uh, crushing it in their corner of the universe. But the good life that Jesus explains to us is a compelling life to the world that we currently live in. Now I want to give you a bit of a, a heart and a rundown where this series actually comes from. See, the series comes from um, a conversation that I was having with Pastor Nate um, based on something that he was hearing, and, a, and a, 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 not just a conversation, but a breakdown of the changes that have happened in society. You see, within society, Christians used to be seen as these moral do-gooders. I don't even remember being in junior high and high school, and um, my friends and the people that I'd eat lunch with and that sort of thing, I'd get invited to parties, specifically in high school, and I'd say, listen, I can't go, like I gotta, 
I got to go to uh, you know youth group on on Sunday or like I don't do that or on Friday night and I don't do that sort of thing or whatever else. And there was almost almost this vibe like oh yeah that's right you don't do that stuff you just try to do good stuff. Uh, you're the moral good doer in this in in this group and and whatever. Not that they wanted to live my life, but they kind of saw as what I, I was trying to pursue a moral life. At one point in society, and not too far in the recent past, people would have looked at Christians the way that they looked when they watched The Simpsons, looking at Ned Flanders as like, that's their view of who Christians were. Just these people are kind of robotic, just doing the right stuff, making sure that they didn't swear, they had these squeaky clean kids, and that sort of thing, and they were the moral do-gooders. And so there was the world that just liked to party and have a lot of fun, and then there was this like, this group of Christians that kind of like sometimes were condemning of these people, but at least like lived this like kind of moral life and like, you know, yeah, they just do good stuff and they try to help people, but that's the way that they saw us. And I actually remember, you know, trying to live this out in the places that I found myself. I want to be a bright life. I want to do good things. I want to live a moral life. So that over time, that speaks to those in my life that don't know Jesus. Now, the conversation Nate and I were having, Pastor Nate and I were having, was that there's actually been a radical flip between the way the world actually sees Christians. So the world doesn't see Christians as these moral do-getters anymore. And that's confronting to us and somewhat conflicting to us now that we actually see ourselves as good do-getters or maybe we're doing our best to do the right stuff. That can be really confronting to the way that we try to live. We try to live at the laws that God has given to us or um, the best way to live life from his perspective. And yet now the world doesn't even see that as something that's advantageous to live towards or even something that's good at all. And the reason for this is that the moral compass of our society has shifted from a society that was built on Christian ideals, and that's even how we set up our law, that's how lawyers still base, judges base their decisions based on certain elements that we find in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Again, this, you have to trace this back to understand how we actually got Western civilization and Western uh, thinking and Greek and Hellenistic and Christian uh, worldviews colliding to create the, the thoughts and the ways that we organize our society today. But our, our, our society was actually based and built on Christian ideals. That's shifting right now in the way that the world doesn't see Christian ideals as the way to live their life. In fact, they actually see Christians as somewhat immoral. And I don't know about you, when I hear that, I'm like, what? How can that be? But when we actually see the way that the world sets things up, is that the world has different standards for a lot of different things. I mean, we don't have to look past things like sexuality to understand that the church sees things radically different than the way that the world sees it. And the world would look at Christians and be like, they have a, a better way of looking at it. They would look at Christians as being rigid and, and uh, having outdated views on sexuality and gender and these sorts of things. And they wouldn't see that as an advantageous thing. They would see us as being immoral for having some of these uh, thoughts and, and uh, uh, ways of, of thinking surrounding marriage and sexuality and gender and these sorts of things. When it comes to other um, issues of justice and that sort of thing, the world doesn't look at the church anymore as actually being their, the, the moral yardstick, so to speak, that they should live up to or, or should look to if they're trying to live a moral life. They look at the church and actually see it as immoral. 
Now listen, we could unpack all of these things, everything from sexuality to justice to uh, even things like abortion and that sort of thing. And we could unpack all of that and we could start to start arguments that, and that's not what this series is necessarily about. It's about what do we do in the face of a society that doesn't actually see us as the moral compass anymore. And in fact, might even point the finger and say, you guys are the ones doing evil. Because that's the society that we're starting to move into. This is what theologians and academics call a post-Christian society. Now, I'm outlaying all this to say to you that I have belief as a pastor right now, and, and for us, I hold this because I really believe God spoke it not only as, uh, over M and I as pastors and leaders of this church, but I really believe he's spoken it over our church to be a part of the renewal in the church in Canada and to see not just a post-Christian society um, uh, reach, but actually see our society as a pre-Christian society. But if we're going to see this as a pre-Christian society, we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we do when the society that we live in doesn't always think that we are, that, that we actually like, hold, the, hold the answers and the keys to who, how to live this life and, and how to uh, orient our lives in the way that it should be oriented as we live at this life. And so after this conversation with Nathan, I actually walked away kind of dejected after trying to live a life for as long as I have, trying to live after God's decrees and failing time and time again. You know, it all boils down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I feel like I fail in that all the time, but I feel like God picks me up and allows me to continue to take steps forward in this into a more righteous or sanctified, which means growing into Christ-likeness and a more sanctified type life. And so to hear this, that the world looks and doesn't actually see anything that I'm pursuing, or a lot, I should rephrase, a lot of what I'm doing as being moral is actually deeply concerning to me. And then, as I'm wrestling with all of this and starting to ask God, like, what is the point? All of a sudden, I really feel he led me to this passage. He led me to 1 Peter 2.12. And it wasn't like I was like, oh, I heard this voice in the sky, like, go to 1 Peter 2.12, you know, like nothing weird like that. Although I would be totally up for something weird like that. I was just reading through the Bible, and the very next thing I read in Scripture after having this conversation, which it wasn't just based on mine and Nate's feelings that society has towards us. It's based off of a lot of, a lot of um, Christian academics that are noticing this trend happening within society. And, I mean, we feel it. We know that. This is the verse that I read out of 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12. Peter, who Jesus said he'd build his church on, says this. So therefore, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now listen to this next sentence. You should listen to the previous one, but listen to this one because this speaks to what I just, I just uh, laid out for us today. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day he visits. See, before I had this realization, this conversation, and and been reading a lot about the, the shifts that are happening in our society today, I may have breezed over this verse because I wouldn't have thought it applied to me. Live such good lives among, amongst the pagans, those that don't know Jesus, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, I would have just breezed over it because I don't feel like anybody's accusing me of doing wrong. But by virtue of aligning yourself with Jesus, 
Honestly, that's part of what's happening in our world today. So all of a sudden, when you realize this, this verse becomes very real to us. It, it, it begs the question of, of if the answer is that, that um, living good lives, if the answer to um, people seeing us as doing wrong, and how do we reach a society that just sees us as immoral and, and sees us as differentiating on things that really matter to them, if the answer is to live such good lives among them, so they may see our good deeds, that they may glorify, then we must ask ourselves, what is the good life? What is the good life that is so compelling that even though our words and our views upon certain things are becoming outdated in a post-Christian society, we need to ask ourselves, well then what is the good life that we may live it before the people that don't know Jesus in our society, that they may see those good deeds and then glorify our God on the day he visits. Church, I want to encourage you that even if you feel like the way that you're orienting your life and aligning it with Jesus and his values and his way, that as we begin to do that, we will see transformation in our world. See, we might look at our world and be scared and worried about where the future of the church is and everything else because I've heard this my entire life. It's just a new flavor of the day. But what we know, because God's the one that spoke it, is that if we live good lives based on what Jesus speaks to us, and, and we live out of these good deeds, this world will glorify God on the day he visits. But we need to understand that we are responsible for searching God's word to learn what the good life is so that we might actually live it out. There is so much hope for us today that while we might be living in a post-Christian society that God is actually bringing a remnant along that we might actually be a part of, of building and helping see this become a pre-Christian society where people hunger for the voice of God in their life once again because the voices in the world that I'm telling you are not cutting it for people and it's creating more chaos than comfort. But we have to ask ourselves this question, what is exactly the good life? In a book called Streams of Living Water, I have it right here, by a guy named Richard Foster, he starts to lay out the idea of, of seeking holiness in life, which is a part of the good life. And he says, listen, I encourage you to make a good friend of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we're not going to preach all through the good life and the Sermon on the Mount um, uh, today, Matthew chapter 5 through, uh, through 2-7. But that is where you can find it, and I encourage you to break it down uh, and read it for yourself. He says this about it. He says, It is an expanded commentary on the royal law of love. The royal law because Jesus boils down all of his commandments to so love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a royal law of love. And he says, And, it's Jesus, and Jesus' life is an expanded commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. I find it endlessly moving to watch how Jesus walked among people, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, bringing good news to the oppressed. Always appropriate, always able, always giving the touch that was needed, always speaking the word that was needed. It is a wonder and a marvel. He goes on to say, this brief look at the holiness of Jesus, uh, this brief look at the holiness of Jesus calls out to us. It calls us to a more consistent life a more obedient life, a more fruitful life. Jesus, who lived fully every teaching of the Sermon of the Mount, 
long before he taught it, shows us the way. Church, if we are to reach a society that sometimes rejects some of the teachings and the nuances of faith, if we're, if we're going to live in this society in a compelling way that draws men and women back unto God, a reconciliation within the family of God, lost sons and daughters coming back into the family of God, if we're going to see that happen, just as Richard Foster points out, we need to look at the way of Jesus and the words of Jesus to get us back on a path that is compelling, a good life, good deeds that are compelling to the world around us so that when they see those things activated in our life, they might see that and glorify our God in heaven. The time is near where we must analyze the fact that we are in a society that might reject a lot of what we might have to say about God, but that all is not lost, that if we double down and commit to not browbeating people and putting out harsh comments on our social media or, or taking strong stances in the light of insensitivity and that sort of thing, but we actually choose to live out what God has, 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 has um, placed before us. If we call upon the Holy Spirit to enable and strengthen, to give us self-control and, and to pick us up when we fail in living this out, if we rely on the Holy Spirit to do this, we will live a compelling life to the world around us. And if we do that, Slate Church, if we can do that, if we can call on the Holy Spirit, if we can seek to live the good life, if we can not just pay attention to the words of Jesus, which in the past have been weaponized by Christians to condemn a society, but we actually live out the way of Jesus because the words are qualified by the way. He might call out sin, but the way he lives among sinners is vital to our understanding of how to communicate that. If we rely on the Holy Spirit, to speak to us and allow us to live out the words and the way of Jesus, we may just be able to see this country defined as a pre-Christian nation where people come and are sent out all over the world fulfilling the Great Commission. I could spend so much time breaking this down, but I think today's simple message as we start off in the Good Life series and we're going to... Um, uh, unpack it a little bit more. As we start off in the Good Life series, it's this. It's let's commit ourselves to the ways and the words of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live a compelling good life, doing good deeds, so that those around us might come to an understanding and knowledge and a compulsion to glorify our God in heaven. You know, one of the ways that we do this church over this next season is we move from just a church that gathers to a church that gathers and scatters. It's really important because we need to actually have larger rhythms in our lives as a, as a church, as people of God, than just making sure that we tune in on Sundays or attend on Sundays. We actually need to have rhythms in our life that are our personal rhythms, where we have a relationship with God that is that is being built, where we, we have the ability to feed ourselves and we're not just relying on the church to feed us all the time. But we also need to have healthy rhythms with one another. Remember, it's actually in Acts chapter, from, uh, Acts chapter 2. Well, the whole book of Acts, but specifically between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 6, where the way that the church lived with one another, 
became one of these compelling ways, became the, the part of this good life and these good deeds that people exemplified. It became part of the way that people were drawn into the family of God. It said God added to their number daily those that joined the family of God, those that joined the early Jesus movement, those that joined the early church were added to their number daily because of the way that they lived out their faith together, responding to Jesus' words and his ways as they sought to establish the early church. See, we need to become more than just a church that gathers. We need to be a church that also scatters. A church that comes on Sundays, a church that, that worships God powerfully in corporate worship and, and experiences all that there is to experience as we gather with one another, whether it's in our homes if you're online or, or in person if you attend Waterloo or Elmira, that sort of thing. We need to understand that, that that's a vital part of who we are as a church. But then there's this aspect of doing life with one another in a way that is compelling to the world around us. And on local Sunday, I think you know where I'm going with this, locals can become one of the, the most compelling ways that we speak to a world that seemingly doesn't want him or may seem disinterested in him because it's not so disinterested. It's not so um, uh, against Jesus because, again, God has told us that if we live a good life, such good lives and live such good deeds in community, the, the faith is a our Christian faith is not just an individual thing. It's a, com a communal experience together. If we do this, men and women will be drawn unto him. And so my encouragement to you today, locals, which has already been explained uh, throughout the surface, that small groups in our church that gather to serve the community that we live in, serve one another, to eat together, to study together, to pray together, to gather together, just to have fun in social environments, to keep one another accountable. This is one way that we can ensure that we are continuing, not just gathering one day a week, but we are gathering to scatter and we have a missional focus to the, the, the community that we live in. If you've been listening this far and you think that this message today is just an individual message where if you just walk away and you just do a good, good enough job living the good life and doing the good deeds that you can win as many people. Reminder that Jesus came to establish not just um, individuals. He didn't just come to establish lone rangers. No, he came to establish his bride, the church, that together the power of the church and the body and the unity of Christians together would compel the world to come into a, a knowing relationship of Jesus Christ. That is where the power lies for those of us that believe and call upon the name of Jesus. So my encouragement to you is if you've gotten this far and, and not considered joining a local because, of, oh, maybe this has, I encourage you today, your action item, action coming out of this has got to be to join a local so we might live a life that is, that is um, compelling to the world that we live in that they may glorify our God in heaven. So church, I'm going to pray for those of you um, that are listening to this and understand that, hey, maybe, maybe I've been given up on this kind of life. Maybe I've been given up or maybe I haven't considered the depths to which I need to allow God to transform me to live this way in the society that we live in. And maybe today for you, the action that you need to take in this moment of prayer is committing to join a local. Our hope is that we would be a church of locals that gather on Sundays. That's, that's, that's our hope, is that a bunch of locals are getting together to gather on Sundays and inviting some other people in as we go. Not that we have church on Sundays and some people are in locals, but that we're all in locals and that those locals gather on Sundays. So if that's you today and you just need, you just go, God, I, I need this. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those that are hearing these words. 
And maybe it's tough to hear that we live in a, in a society that doesn't see us as moral or whatever else. God, it's just, it's the reality of where we are. God, sometimes we want to believe, if we use Old Testament language, that we live in Jerusalem in the time where it was so influential. But when in reality, God, we, we are more living in Babylon, a place of exile, a place where we need to live um, lives that are compelling to draw people unto you. God, I pray that, um, that you would encourage us in this moment, for those of us that might be discouraged or whatever else, that God, you will empower us and strengthen us through your Holy Spirit to live the life that you're calling us to live. And that on the other side of that, people will notice and glorify you in heaven. So God, for those of us that feel disheartened, may you encourage us. For those of us that are feeling called in this moment, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do more than um, just allow us to feel a slight nudge, but it would compel us to action in this moment. And for everybody listening, God, I pray that you would move their hearts to taking that next step to joining a local wherever they find themselves, whether online or in Elmira or Waterloo, wherever it is, that God, they would join a local, start a local, whatever it might take, so that we might live this life out in, the, in, in front of the world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that are joining right now and you don't have a relationship with God and and maybe that's, this is what you needed to hear. You've seen some people living out this good life or maybe hearing it described today or hearing just the, just a, the message of Jesus. Maybe you've been turning, tuning in for some time and you just want to make a commitment to follow Jesus yourself and commit to this good life. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for anybody that wants to make this decision right now, wherever they find themselves. God, I pray that this would be the first step of a journey of faith. That God, they would understand that it's, it, it, this might be a decision made in private, but it's meant to be lived out in public, and it's meant to be lived out in community. God, I pray that you would encourage them, that your Holy Spirit would speak through them, that God, they would understand that you are on their side, that God, you died on a cross for their sin, not to shame them, but to actually bring them into, into a life that is free of guilt and free of sin and free of all those things that, because, because of the price you paid in your spirit that you want to place inside of us. So God, right now I pray that you would mobile, uh, um, uh, mobilize and, and, and fill with your presence, God, individuals that want to make this decision right now to follow you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.